year after year, some of you who have brought these little ones in tow, and you may have had a hectic morning, but we're here. And the Lord is still on the throne, and he's over and above and in and all through all of this, and we are thankful. So we're trusting in him for all the details this morning, and we are so excited to see just how he's going to work in our midst. Because each one of you, as you enter this place, as I enter this place, we come with a story, don't we? And the Lord is authoring that story in each one of our lives. And this becomes a part of the script of your story. This time that you spend at habits and fellowship with one another and in God's word becomes a part of your story. And you begin to share life with others you may not know. And beautiful things happen when we come and we worship the King of Kings and we open his word together and we learn from him and we learn from one another. So my name is Tana Henry and I welcome you on behalf of the Habits Ministry team. And we're so thankful that you're here. We know that there are many demands on a woman's life and you could be spending your time in other places this morning, but we're thankful that you've chosen to be here and you're investing in the two things that will last for eternity. God's word and his people. So it is a good thing that we're about 23 years this Habits of the Heart community Bible study has been happening. And through those years, we have seen um, so much evidence of God's faithfulness in our midst. He has brought um, beautiful times of worship, sweet friendships, mutual encouragement, strengthening of individual faith, and there's something so beautiful that happens when God's people come together. So we anticipate yet another year of him feeding us through his word, encouraging us in heart and spirit through one another. And as we worship each week together, um, we will be strengthened in our inner being. So thank you, Katie, for leading us in worship. We, she will uh, meet us here every Wednesday morning and start our time that way in worship. So yes, every Wednesday we'll gather here in this place first, have that time of really raising our voices to the Lord, and then having a time of teaching before we break into the discussion groups and go over the lessons. So that's how Wednesday mornings will look for those of you that are new. And uh, there is a coffee bar over this way if you'd like to pop in and get some coffee before we get started each Wednesday. So as we begin this year's study, I was reminded afresh that the Bible is God's word of truth to us. We all know that. But it's also his written word to us. It's like his letter to us. And I was reminded of this because I often, in my study of a particular text, will pick up this treasure. It is worn and well-loved. And it was held by the hands of a woman that I love so very much, who is now at home with the Lord. And oftentimes when I'm studying, I will go to her Bible. This is my mother-in-law's Bible. I will go to the text to see if she has written something in that particular text. And I also go to these sweet little notes, handwritten in her handwriting, some are uh, passages that she's committed to memory. Some are prayer requests for different people. And I pour over them and treasure them 
because they're, they're a part of her. And even the pages smell like her. So I was reminded of how I should approach God's word with that same awe and reverence and joy and anticipation because it truly is his letter to you and to me. It's a love letter and it's his word of truth that is meant to encourage and stimulate and convict and admonish all those things that, that we know the Bible can do for us. So I just pray that um, we would have that mindset as we open our Bible that we should see God's words to us as a gift and something to be treasured. And there are places in the world who don't have this freedom and privilege. So may we remind ourselves of that great, great privilege. And as we joined our voices this morning in worship, that we can come and he's given us these voices that we can raise together in praise of his name and we can mutually encourage one another just being together. So it's a good, good thing that we're about. Deuteronomy, um, as we begin this study, I want you to remember that it's not just a people, place, and time. It is that, of course. But it's also a book about God himself. We'll meet him there. He'll meet us there. We'll learn about him. We'll learn about ourselves. And we'll learn a whole lot about his all-sufficient grace. Oftentimes, I think we come to Deuteronomy with a preconceived notion of law and commandments. And all those are certainly there. But underneath and undergirding it all is the grace of God is carrying the generations along who love him and are called according to his purpose. Woodrow Wilson, our 28th president, once noted, the Bible is the word of life. I beg that you will read it and find this out for yourself. When you have read the Bible, you will know it is the word of God because you will have found in it the key to your own heart, your own delight, and your own duty. It's beautiful. You will find your own heart, your own delight, and your own duty. So that's what we've come to do, to study and read his word together, his letter to us. And in the journey, we will find him, more of him. We will learn more about ourselves and each other in this world in which we live. And we will cast a vision for the future together. Would you pray with me? Father God, we do rejoice in this day and we thank you for the great gift of gathering and raising our names in collective worship to your holy and majestic name. And we thank you for the gift of your word to us, the letter you have written to our hearts, and the seal you have given through the Holy Spirit. We ask now that you would teach us, and that as we learn together, Lord, we would submit more to you, that we would love you better, and that we would be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here and going before us in every detail. We love you and present ourselves as an offering to you. In Jesus' sacred name we pray. Amen. So as you registered for this study online or on a piece of paper, I wonder if you thought about this commitment in a broader context. Questions like, how does this decision reflect what's important to me? And why am I sacrificing or what am I sacrificing to make this commitment? And what will I learn about the Lord and about myself? These are all really good questions. Because when we come together to study the word of God, something is going to happen. Amazing things are going to happen. And there are things coming in our individual lives that we don't even know about in the next eight months. Some beautiful things, some hard things. 
And we know that in all of it, all these parts and pieces become more meaningful as we view them rightly through the lens of Scripture. So the sacrifices that you've made, the commitments that you've made here, will be one that bears fruit in the time to come. And I pray that you are able to protect this time and really be here as we enter in. Because, you know, as we uh, join together, we enter this journey, this story, grand story of redemption that God is writing in all of creation through the generations. And we are tempted, I think, and the enemy would like for us to believe that we're an isolated um, case just trekking along, and we can be fairly short-sighted in all of that. So as we study, may he give us a, a longer view of life. As once again, we remember that we, each one, are fashioned by the same God who ordered the stars, and he's numbered the hairs on our head, and he's concerned with every, every detail of your life and every detail that happens here. So as we proceed through the study, we will bear witness to these echoes of grace. The name of our study is Echoes of Grace, a study in Deuteronomy. You'll have the opportunity as you study to reflect on these truths at the end of each lesson. And as you do that, it's our prayer that as you look back on your own life, you too will see these echoes of grace, perhaps that you did not even recognize at the time. But now, through the perspective of truth, you're able to see his grace more clearly or see his hand of blessing or his heart of love for you or his pursuit of you. So it's always a good thing to define a word that you're using often. Echo means to reverberate or resound, to return what has been uttered. So in this case, we have the opportunity to hear the echoes of God's grace through the pages of Scripture in Deuteronomy. We are especially excited about this year's study because of the unique perspective we gain as we listen to Moses' words to these Israelites. We will see all too well ourselves in these forgetful, weak, and self-centered people. But we have also the opportunity to see more clearly, maybe for the first time, maybe by way of reminder, that this God is worthy. And as Deuteronomy 4.39 says, Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. So that is the cry of our hearts. C.S. Lewis um, has a quote about the Old Testament. And you may be asking, why the Old Testament? How is this relevant? Well, the value of the Old Testament, C.S. Lewis says, may be dependent on what seems its imperfection. It may repel one use in order that we may be forced to use it in another way, to find the word in it, to relive while we read the whole Jewish experience, experience of God's gradual and graded self-revelation, to feel the very contentions between the word and the human material through which it works. That is, that we may understand this text in a real people, real place, real time context. But as we learn from them, them, we see ourselves in the story too. We are the present day human material through which God and his word works. And over and in it and above and beneath and all around is the persistent grace of God. Thomas Schreiner, in his book, The King and His Beauty, says this, of Deuteronomy. If I were to sum up the book briefly, 
Deuteronomy calls upon Israel to obey Yahweh in order to enter and stay in the land. Only those who submit to Yahweh's lordship will experience his blessings. It is imperative to see, however, that the call to obedience is always predicated upon the grace of God. Grace precedes demand. And in this sense, the book anticipates the pattern of salvation found in the New Testament. So I'm going to highlight some specs and themes of Deuteronomy in just a moment. But first, I'd like to invite Deb Bissell to join us and share a little from her heart. Uh, some of you know Deb. Um, if you don't, you should. Uh, we love her. And we are so thankful for the way the Lord has gifted her creatively and her love and passion for God's word and how those two are blended in her formatting and creative um, beautification of our study guides each year. And this year she had a lot of fun with Deuteronomy. So we want her to share, especially about um, the binder that you'll receive in your rooms. Well, good morning. Several months ago, we always get in advance, we always find out what book we're going to be studying and so that we can start reading it and well and as some of you may not even know for several years the habits of the heart women have collaborated with other good stewards of God's word to write the curriculum and so that's what you'll be receiving today and all but two of those years I've had the great privilege um, like Hannah said to adding color and graphics which includes the cover so this year when they said Deuteronomy I was like I said no, you know. I hadn't really studied it that much. But my goodness, I started reading it and rereading it and rereading it. And I was just thinking to myself, putting myself in the place of the Israelites as they stood on the edge, waiting to go into Canaan and thinking, you know, I'm really that person. I'm that person waiting for the good land. And this is just our temporary home. And so, with that, the cover, I imagine this weary, worn out, and dusty people standing at the river's edge. And there, just beyond the Jordan, the Israelites get their first look at the land God had promised them. And in thinking through what the cover might convey, I imagine the beautiful colors and the contours that they must have seen. Gorgeous, colorful hills. And the word hills is mentioned several times in Deuteronomy. And God's word says it like this, Deuteronomy 11, 11. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain from heaven. So at the bottom of the page is a strip of blue, and it represents the crossing of the Jordan. And then beyond that, there are hills of all colors, browns and oranges and greens, red, purple, yellows, and those things in studying all of the crops that were grown in Canaan, they represent the abundant crops like cumin and cinnamon and ginger and olives, squash, leeks, cucumbers, dill, pomegranate, grapes, barley, wheat, legumes, and the list goes on and on. And overall, there's this dustiness to this graphic. And it represents a few things to me. First, the fact that Moses was given a look. God gave him a look at the promised land, but he didn't get to experience it. 
Second, it represents what I imagine the physical condition of the people were at that point when they were getting ready to cross. And lastly, the land of Canaan is but a veiled glimpse at a true promised land for us and for the Israelites, which is heaven. And so there is this dusty film that we really can't know and can't really see um, what's really there. The last element that I thought about after reading Deuteronomy a few times are the um, four blue lines at the bottom. These represent God's command in Deuteronomy 22.12, and it talks about making tassels at the four corners of your garment. And each tassel was to have a blue strand in it. And the blue strand served to remind the Israelites of God's commands, as well as it was a public profession of their nation and their religion. These blue cords distinguished them from strangers, and it served as a visual reminder to the Israelites that their words and their actions were a representation to a watching world of what God was like. So that's kind of what was in my mind through all of this, and um, I enjoyed it, I loved it, and I hope you guys just embrace God's word and just have a great year with all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Deb. We are so thankful for you. So that gave you a nice little taste of Deuteronomy. Um, I, what I want to do now is to spend a few minutes giving you an anticipation for going back to those rooms, opening your binder, and opening the Word of God to Deuteronomy. And you will find yourself, when you do so, in this five-part literary unit called the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy completes this, and the majority of the book is really comprised of farewell speeches that Moses gives to the people beginning in the 40th year after the exodus from Egypt. So Deuteronomy does not advance historically, but takes place entirely in one location over about a month of time. Israel was camped, encamped in the central Rift Valley to the east of the Jordan River. And the book concentrates mostly on the events that took place in the final week of Moses' life, final weeks leading up to his death. The major event was the verbal communication of divine revelation from Moses to the people of Israel. The only other record, recorded events that we uh, see there are the Moses recording the law in a book, his commissioning of Joshua as the new leader, his viewing of the land of Canaan from Mount Nebo, and his death. So we have a lot of his words to the Israelites, and you will see much repetition in here um, and so much of it revolves around his desire for them to come back to the Lord, to obey the Lord, to love the Lord with their whole heart. And the call is still the same for us today. The original recipients of Deuteronomy are the second generation of the nation of Israel. All that generation from 40 to 60 years old would have been born in Egypt and participated as young people in the Exodus. Those under 40 had been born and reared in the wilderness. Together, they now comprise the generation that's on the verge of the conquering the land of Canaan. We will learn of the historical context in the grand story of Scripture, and next week have the privilege of hearing from Drew Hunter on how it all fits together. 
But for our purposes this morning, to kind of launch you and give a vision for what's coming, I just want to highlight a few of the key themes in Deuteronomy. The first, and always should be in every study, are the attributes of God. Deuteronomy reveals much about this God himself that Moses speaks, and particularly reveals that the Lord is the only one true God, that he is holy, sovereign, all-powerful, jealous, merciful, that he is faithful, loving, kind, and yes, he's angered by sin. This is the God who called himself to Israel. Over 250 times, Moses repeats the phrase, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. Israel was called to obey, to fear, to love, and to serve him by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments. But you see, the, the obedience and this pursuit that they're called to of personal holiness is always based first on the character of God. When we understand who God is, it's a compelling force for obedience. And when we understand the lavish grace he extends, it really does call us to love and serve him. Deuteronomy 6.4 is a key expression. Moses declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This concept, the belief that there is only one God, is crucial to our understanding of this text and to the whole of Bible. The next verse is equally important. Love the Lord your God with all your soul and with all your strength. Jesus acknowledges this verse as the great commandment of the law. It shows that God expects us to put him first in our lives. And throughout Deuteronomy, we will see consistent warnings against idolatry and misplaced worship. Deuteronomy also teaches us more about and points us to Christ, the one we sang of this morning. In our study, we have the opportunity to, to ha handle uh, looking forward questions. And these are ones that will prompt you to connect the text to the coming of Christ and yet the coming kingdom. And the New Testament identifies Jesus as the prophet of whom Moses spoke. The Apostle Peter, in his sermon on the day of Pentecost, quotes this prophecy as being fulfilled in Christ. So it all fits together, and it's all pointing to Christ. John declares in 117, The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy, Moses recalls how God had saved and protected Israelite. Israel, and he challenges the Israelites in light of that truth to come back to him, to rededicate their lives, his covenant God calling his covenant people back. Likewise, on this side of the cross, we exist in a covenant with God too. And because we remember we've been saved by grace through his son, our response should be lives dedicated to him. You'll, you will see this recurring theme of obedience as well in the text. Moses reminds the generation of Israelites of their covenant with God, and we are reminded, even in New Testament uh, passages, about our responsibility to obey. And we need to keep uh, Christ as the central compass for our lives. Like I said earlier, when we think of Deuteronomy, oftentimes our mind jumps to the law and the do's and don'ts, the stipulations, the boundaries. But really, the wide range of the laws in Deuteronomy reflects something greater. That God's grace, by his grace, he is providing for the good of his people. 
It really shows that all aspects of life were regulated for the good of those people, and it, as it is today. And I was thinking about our parenting and how many times in 20 years, we have a 20-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And I wish I would have kept track how many times I've said, every decision we make, every boundary we set, every admonishment, everything we do, finds itself in love for you. It's rooted in love for you. So even, you know, the, the boundaries that we place in your life <clears throat> are because we're seeking your best and because we love you. And that perspective changes how you receive the boundaries and um, the guidelines that have been set before you. And so I believe that it's God's desire. It was then and it is now for us to see these admonishments we've been given in Scripture as his love for us. Really, in everything that he's doing, he's working for our good, for our good and his glory, our good and his glory. Another uh, key theme is the future, what we have to look forward to, and Deb referenced that a bit. We're, we're awaiting something, aren't we? This coming kingdom, and it's voiced even in the beginning of Deuteronomy, when Moses says in verse 1-8, Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers and to their descendants after them. So like the Israelites, we today as Christians have a promised land, the kingdom of God. It is God's desire to give to you that eternal life. Colossians 1 tells us the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's a glorious, glorious thing to anticipate. We can't quite get our minds around that, can we? But it's coming. Another theme that confronts us continually in this study of Deuteronomy is the nature of man. Doggone it. We will find ourselves shaking our head at these Israelites their forgetfulness, their stubborn hearts, their selfish motives, their misplaced worship. But as we observe their character and behavior, we see ourselves in the same muck and mire of sin. The truth of our human existence serves once again to point us to our desperate need for Christ, desperate need for the grace that only the Lord can give and to be rescued by Christ, who has the victory. So we enter this journey of learning more about the Lord, our God, the Lord your God, throughout this study of Deuteronomy. In the process, we will learn of his grace and his mercy, his intentions for his people, the nature of man, our position in Christ, and our future hope. It will be a grand adventure of epic proportions in our lives if we let him have his way with us. So I pray even now the Lord will make us hungry for more of him and give us ears to hear his word of truth through this study and a heart to obey him through the spirit he has given. I'm going to close by reading the lyrics of an old hymn um, that is a beautiful representation. It resonates with this text of Deuteronomy. Some contemporary Christian artists have altered it a bit, but it really describes this collision of the nature of man and the grace of God. 
Come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. And my hope, by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. So to grace how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. And let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Would you pray with me? And that is our prayer. Lord, our God, would you increase our love for you and grant us wisdom and understanding through this study of your word together. Tether and bind our wandering hearts to you, Lord, as we live in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <laughs>